This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super excited to be here talking baseball with you here today. What a time it is. We are about getting close to being halfway through October, the greatest sports month on the sports calendar here in North America when you have the NHL, the MLB, NFL, NBA is about to kick off. All the sports, all the time, it has been outstanding so far. In the world of Major League Baseball, things are going a little differently than some other people might have planned. We'll talk about the National League a little bit later in the show. On the American League side of things, you have the Houston Astros, who took care of business against the Minnesota Twins, and you have the Texas Rangers, who took care of their business. So it's going to be an all-Texas ALCS, and there is nobody that I would rather talk to. I've become a big fan of this network. I've been inviting people on from this version of the network and that version of the network. It all started with my good friend Nick Morowski on Locked On White Sox, the Locked On Sports Network. Of course, I'm talking about Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers. Bryce, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah, shout out to Nick Morowski, a, a great, great podcast host, great dude. And uh, yeah, happy to be talking about the Rangers and the ALCS. Not exactly where I thought they'd be at the beginning of the year, but hey, here they are. Absolutely. Bryce, before we get into all that, I kind of want to talk about the Lockdown Network for a second. Do all of you guys know each other? Because there are some people I, I brought up, Nick, a couple other times. I don't know other guests. And it's like, oh, it didn't look like they knew who that person was. But, uh, like, is it kind of like a little family there? I mean, yeah. I mean, some hosts are, are closer than others. I mean, I'll do crossovers with just about anybody. Um, yeah, Nick was on. We do a, a yearly show. Me and the former A's host, Jason Burke, we do a yearly show of uh, Festivus, which is where we just complain about a lot of things. And so we invited uh, Nick on last year for our Festivus episode. He had he had plenty of White Sox things to complain about after last year. <laughs> I was going to say, Nick might have some more things to complain about this year. He Right now, he's on his rant about uh, how the White Sox are kind of turning into the Kansas City Royals. He's nice and pissed off about that, so Oof. that should be exciting all summer or all winter long. Hey, at least y'all have a ring. <laughs> you know, that's another thing, though. A lot of these Royals people won rings. That's my positive spin on the whole White Sox thing. But I'm not here about to talk about the White Sox. I've been doing that for far too long this summer. I'm here to talk about something I did not think was going to be the case, as you said, back when we were in March of this year doing spring training in all Texas ALCS. Now, if you told me it was a half Texas ALCS for the bajillionth year in a row, I I would uh, you know agree. And I know that probably painful memory for you. 
I don't love it either. I mean, the White Sox last postseason appearance was a disaster against the Astros. So I hate them too. Um, but yeah, did you, was it something in the Rangers community to see the growth of this team into what they became after coming off being legitimately one of the worst teams in the league last season? Yeah. I mean, last year, I mean, this, this turnout turnaround, has been incredibly quick and you don't normally see successful turnarounds that happen this fast. I mean, the Rangers lost 94 games last year and they only really, and they were very mediocre in the final years of Adrian Beltre. I mean, they last made the playoffs in 2016, 2017 was kind of a competitive team, but not really. I mean, 2018 was mediocre. The beginning of 2019 was like fun and scrappy, but the Rangers weren't willing to commit money to actually, you know, committing to the, you know, winning that year. And they also weren't willing to tear it down. So they were kind of in this middle ground and the year 2020, the Rangers opened a new stadium and then the COVID shortened year happens. They made a trade for um, Corey Kluber. They thought that was going to work out. They had three really great starting pitchers, but like they had no offense that year and they thought they were going to compete going into the year and the rest of us were like have you seen this lineup it's like joey gallo and a bunch of not very good hitters and so they're very lucky that the 2020 season was able to go off the rails so quickly so they could embrace that rebuild and have you know two years three years really of like losing bad baseball and come out of it so quickly get those high draft picks that end up being you know jack Leiter ended up being white langford who's looking fantastic who they got this year who if not for Evan Carter might've already been up and doing what Evan Carter was doing. Um, but yeah, this quick turnaround, so many things had to go right and they did. And it's just astonishing that it's all worked. It turned around this quickly and the Rangers front office, they expected it. The rest of us absolutely did not. You're probably tired of talking about prospects and you're probably a lot more eager to talk about actually competing in the ALCS, but you brought up Jack Leiter. So I had, to, I have to sneak it in real quick. I don't even have it written down, but I am curious your thoughts on his development so far. Well, I've watched a lot of Jack Leiter starts because he's in Frisco, which is a, a north suburb of Dallas. So it's able you're able to get out there pretty uh, frequently. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of development the, the first year of him. I think a double A was a really aggressive assignment. I mean, he looked like one of the most polished pitchers coming out of the draft in like years and years and years. I mean, I know that Paul Skeens had a higher upside this year, but in terms of just like, there's not that much more that like lighter needs to work on to get better. And he just kept missing the same problems. He just wasn't quite able to fix it. Took about a couple of months off and it, it was the same story at the beginning of this year, then took a couple of months off, worked on some mechanical adjustments. And when he came back, he looked a whole lot better. He wasn't walking nearly as many guys. He was able to command his stuff. And, and the stuff has been there throughout this time. It's just been, just some little mechanical tweaks that he needed. And I think a little bit of mental reset. And I think he got that. And so I'm bullish on him. Uh, it's, it's been two years of minor league ball and he's in triple a. So, I mean, maybe he comes up next year, maybe takes another year, but I'm still bullish on that kid. And I know there was a lot of, you know, angst about that draft, but I think it's a great draft pick. I really like the Kumar rocker pick. I think he'll be great once he comes back from Tommy John surgery and Wyatt Langford, the Rangers are so grateful that I believe it was the, the Tigers that went with Max Clark ahead of him and let Langford fall. And he had like basically the best pro debut uh, that almost anybody has had in like decades. For sure. Now, a pitcher that's pitching at the major league level, Nathan Eovaldi just been an absolute legend in the postseason. It seems like back going back to his days with the Boston Red Sox. And now he's there. Take me through your thoughts on what he's done for that organization and how they progress through the playoffs this season. Well, I mean, Nathan Evaldi was, was not on the Rangers, you know, main radar for their, 
their rotation rebuild last year. And honestly, when the, at the time they signed him, I thought, okay, interesting. It feels like a bit much. It feels like they don't really need him because they signed Jacob deGrom to be their ace. They had already inked deals with, uh, you know, retaining Martin Perez coming off an all-star season. Hasn't quite been nearly as good. John Gray was still under contract for this year. They went and signed Andrew Heaney as well. And they made a trade for Jake Odorizzi, who didn't pitch a lick this year because he was hurt in spring training with a shoulder injury and did, didn't even pitch in spring training. And so I thought the Rangers had enough depth and they go and sign uh, Eovaldi after they miss out on basically all the... The outfield bats that they wanted to go get, they ended up settling for Robbie Grossman, who's been fine. Um, but Evan Carter's been just a little bit better. But the thing with Eovaldi is he was never meant to be the number one guy. He was like, oh, this is your number two? All right, that's great. And Jacob DeGrom goes down a month into the season. And at that point, Eovaldi hadn't been that great. And then the month of May comes, and he just absolutely turns it on. I mean, the, the game where I think it was the last start that DeGrom made or he came out, and then the next day, the Rangers were on a skid at that point. Nathan Ivaldi comes out and throws a complete game shutout against the Yankees, and from that point on, he was fantastic. Then he comes back up after being hurt for six weeks and basically has to rehab at the major league level. There's a lot made of his you know 930 ERA or whatever it was in September, but he was not right. And you could tell that. And the Rangers just needed to get outs from him in the worst way because, you know, Max Scherzer was, was, I think at that point, no, he hadn't quite gone down with injury yet, but they just needed outs from him. And so here it comes in the postseason, and the stuff is back. It's playing like it was in the first half. And, you know, he just knows what it takes to be in these big game moments. And, I feel supremely confident with him on the Hill. He's probably going to be, I think the best starting pitcher in this series, which is wild to say at the beginning of the year, but I stand by it. That is, I don't necessarily disagree with that take at all. I think he's been that good. Um, and you kind of touched on some of the other people from the pitching staff, but it does sound like you're confident in what the pitching staff is going to bring to the table here on out. If you know, throughout the ALCS and potentially in the world series after that, if they were to get through the Astros. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Rangers starting pitching has, it was supposed to be the strength of this team for most of this year. I mean, you, at the beginning of the year, if, if this rotation was fully healthy, if, you know, you could advance modern medical science forward like a hundred years and uh, put Jacob DeGrom in here, he'd be your number one, Max Scherzer, number two, Nathan Eovaldi, your number three, and Jordan Montgomery would be your number four. But unfortunately it doesn't work like that. The Rangers had like seven guys in camp that they felt confident as, as starters. I mean, Cole Reagans was basically shoved to the bullpen. Dane Dunning is, was the Rangers most consistent starter this year. And he started in the bullpen. I mean, before the, the injury to Odorizzi, he was going to probably be in triple a and, you know, it's just injury after injury after injury. I mean, the Rangers had six all-stars this year and five of them spent significant time on the aisle, but Jordan Montgomery has been fantastic for the Rangers. And it seems like they might get one of, if not both of Max Scherzer and John Gray back. Gray was healthy all year until there was a little tweak in his last start against the angels where the Rangers needed every win. And, and John Gray was phenomenal in that one. Then he comes out um, thinking it was like a, a blister injury, but it turned out to be a forearm strain. So they had to put him on the IL. So he missed what was his last start of the season and um, wasn't eligible to come off the IL until I think it'll be like tomorrow is, is when he's eligible, but we're not quite sure what we're going to get from him. I think he and Scherzer, if I was like leaning towards it, we'll know more today because they threw a sim game yesterday. So it's about building them back up. If they do come back, they're probably going to be like maybe 50 to 70 pitches, three to four innings is what you're expecting them. But the Rangers have depth of long guys in their pen because Martin Perez is in the pen right now. Cody Bradford has been 
fantastic for them in the pen. And, you know, Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney were the piggyback starters in game one. And the Rangers beat the Orioles with their ace on the hill with a piggyback start combo. So even if you're not able to get a fully healthy Scherzer and Gray, if they're okay and can get you three to four innings, you feel pretty good about the guys who are going to be piggybacking off of them to hopefully bridge it to the back end of this bullpen, which is looking way better than it has at any point in this season. You know, a couple of years ago, the uh, Rangers, they went out and they got Marcus Semyon and Corey Seager in the same offseason. And they spent a lot of money in order to bring in guys like that. And they're both typically shortstops. They move one over to second base. You got a Seager, Semyon duo up the middle. It's one of the best duos up the middle in all of Major League Baseball when they're healthy. I don't think many people debate that usually. But in the Texas Rangers community, are Semyon and Seager what people consider to be worth all the money that they're getting? Have they been everything you expected, possibly more? Or, you know, what's your take on the Seager-Semyon uh, duo and then taking into the consideration the money they make? I mean, they're absolutely worth it. I mean, this year they both were basically seven war players. I mean, Corey Seager ended up having, like, literally on the last day of the season, having, like, a not great day. Went from 7.0 to 6.9. I mean, Marcus Simeon led Major League Baseball or American League position players and position player war at 7.4. And and last year, Simeon really, really struggled out of the gates. I mean, there was a lot going on. He's normally a slow starter, but he's also, you know, there was the lockout and he was on the players association board and having to negotiate a lot of that. And, you know, having a shortened spring training and being on a new team and having a new contract and all that pressure, it really got to him. And he was awful, just straight up awful for the first two months of the season. Then, the Rangers sat him for a day, which he's a guy who wants to play every single day. And there was a game against, I believe, the Boston Red Sox back in May of last year where they sat him down. And then after that, he just absolutely took off. And Seager was really negatively benefited by the shift last year. And this year, I mean, he loves hitting it in Arlington at that park. I mean, he won a World Series there. And both of those guys have been absolutely incredible and far and away worth the money, even if they've only got like you know, two or three more good years left in him, which I, I don't think is the case. I think Simeon is going to age very well. And Corey Seager is maybe the best hitter on the planet right now. And he also plays shortstop, which is just nuts, but they're absolutely worth the money. Some people will still gripe about the Jacob DeGrom contract. I mean, I, I still think it was obviously a big risk, but I think worthwhile. And, you know, there's a lot made about the Rangers spending so much money, but their payroll was so low before that. They had plenty of room to add for these guys. And the other stars on this team are not these high, high paid like free agents. Like there's not really basically any free agents that are in the starting lineup every day. I mean, Mitch Garver was a trade. Um, Nathaniel Lowe was a trade. Same with Jonah Heim. Josh Young was a first round pick who they drafted and developed. Leo Tavares was an international free agent. They signed, drafted and developed. I mean, Ezekiel Duran spent a lot of time here and Evan Carter was a second round pick in that 2020 COVID shortened draft that the Rangers were, you know, bragging about for, years they were at the time they were like oh my gosh we absolutely nailed this and they've been so terrible at drafting drafting and developing the rest of us who had seen this were like how can you brag about how you stole this kid in the second round and then here we go in like 20 games and all in crucial times for the rangers he's stepped up and been everything and more that anyone could have ever expected from the young evan carter that's incredible i love seeing people be you know happy with 
what goes on in uh, free agency and like it actually work out for a team. Cause I root for a team that builds a nice little young core and then doesn't spend a penny beyond that. You, you guys, the Texas Rangers, you did exactly what the white Sox did. Plus adding guys like Semyon and Seager, you go out and get DeGrom. Not every contract's going to turn out great. And guess what? There's still room for the DeGrom contract to work out. Well, where, you know, the white Sox paid Grandal and Benatendi to stink. So like, I think Texas Rangers, they they've run their organization so well since 2020 as you kind of put now a guy that used to pitch for my team traded him for lance lynn to you guys you touched on him a little bit dane dunning he's been an absolute stud talk me through dane dunning season well dane dunning has been i mean an absolute revelation he stepped up in the pen as the long man and a couple of starts where jacob Degrom left early due to injury he came in and was phenomenal i mean he had like a sub two era for the first month and a half maybe two months of the season and he's just been consistent i mean he's not flashy he's not gonna throw 95 99 like he doesn't have jacob Degrom's fastball and you know what it's fine He's got great extension. He's finally healthy. He had off-season hip surgery, I believe it was after last year. And one of the things that makes Dane Dunning so good is that he's incredibly tall and his extension is really good. So he's able to get down the mound and basically like the ball is on you. So his 90 miles an hour plays up. It looks like 95 or 97 or whatever. And uh, he wasn't able to get down the mound the last couple of years because of that hip injury. And he's done that this year. He's been asked to be in the bullpen he kind of basically moved to the bullpen in the second half or like the back end stretch of the season but still whatever the rangers have needed from dane dunning for the most part he's delivered and like it's been huge it's been absolutely huge in the season with so many injuries just so many pitchers just having one or two guys i mean it's basically been him and gray who have been the workhorses this year. I mean, Dane Dunning led the team in innings with 172 and two thirds innings pitched. Next closest was Gray at 157 and a third innings. Like, just absolutely nuts. That is nuts. He was the third best prospect in the Adam Eaton trade that landed the Sox, Giolito, Lopez, and Dunning, and the Texas Rangers benefited from it the most. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Now, throughout this, what were you going to say? I was going to say, at the time, I like poo-pooed the trade. I was like, Lance Lynn is incredible. Like, How are you just getting Dane Dunning for him? And you know what? Dane Dunning has basically outpitched Lance Lynn, definitely yeah. this year, maybe even absolutely. last year, too. I would argue last year. Now, Lynn came in third place for the Cy Young in 2021, mm-hmm. and he got absolutely shelled yesterday, and which was tough to see. I think we both probably are going to go forward being Lance Lynn enjoyers, no matter oh, what absolutely. team he plays for. He kind of had a great impact for both of our favorite teams, and I respect him. But, you know, he likes playing for teams that are good, I think. And, you know, he didn't have a good game yesterday, but he was much better with the Dodgers than the White Sox, obviously. Now, with the Rangers this season, you hear about the guys we've talked about, Eovaldi, Semi, and Seager. Who's an underrated player, maybe an unsung hero, that maybe the general baseball world is going to learn about when everybody tunes into the ALCS this weekend, but maybe didn't know about while watching their local team all summer long? It's hard to say that a multi-time all-star is an underrated, under-the-radar player, but Adolis Garcia is absolutely that, and he is that guy. I mean... He has been here since 2019. The Rangers acquired him from the St. Louis Cardinals for cash considerations in 2019. And he played a little bit for the Rangers in 2020, like maybe five games, but not really all that much. He's a Cuban-born player. He's 30 years old this year. Um, And then in 2021, that was his real breakout year. But the Rangers DFA'd him. He didn't make the roster out of camp, and they DFA'd him to keep, I believe it was Mike Fulte-Nevich on the roster because – 
that's where they were at that point. Then they had an injury to Ronald Guzman about a month into the season that ended up, I believe, ending his season. And Adoles Garcia comes up and he's absolutely sensational, basically the best player in baseball for the month of May of that year. And, you know, is a sensational yet again in June and earns an all-star appearance and absolutely deserved that. And maybe he deserved rookie of the year and only finished fourth in rookie of the year voting, but he really, really faltered down the stretch. He was a player with a lot of holes in his swing, just incredibly toolsy, very fast, very strong, the strongest arm in, in all of outfielders in all of major league baseball and incredible raw power and incredible like ability to come up in the big moments. And he did that with a three run homer that ended up sealing the sweep in this one. He also had a home run against Tampa Bay as well. So played in five playoff games and, and two big home runs, but he was here during the dark years and there were a, uh, he was a very flawed player and he worked tremendously to close those holes in his swing, become a much more patient player he used to swing out of his shoes and expand the zone like crazy. And this year he's been much more patient. It's led to him getting a lot more pitches and a career high 39 home runs, 107 RBIs this year. Hasn't been as much on the stolen base train this year, but he's played 148 games. He's been mostly really healthy and the, his injury against the Astros is the reason why, why Evan Carter was here. I mean, that was a really scary injury. He hurt his knee jumping up to try and rob a home run against the Astros. And it looked like he might be done for the year. Like maybe he'll come back in time for the playoffs, but he missed just 10 days. And, you know, since he's come back, he has been a huge, huge spark for this team, having great at bats. And like, he is a guy with a lot of flair, a lot of pizzazz and him being on this stage, having this success after going through these rough, rough years, one of the very few players, him and Nathaniel Lowe basically are the only ones who were regulars in 2021 that are still here. I guess Jonah Heim as well, but seeing him get to have that moment on the big stage and Lowe as well um, is just fantastic. That's outstanding. Sometimes just those tough years, they end up working out for you in the end. So, you know, I love the answer of Vidolis Garcia as the underrated player. I was wondering if you were going to say him because it does. I, I'm with you. I'm not sure that, you know, the whole world knows like how impactful he actually is for the Texas Rangers. And you can argue he's just as big of a key piece as some of the rest of the guys on the team. So, you know, mm-hmm. outstanding work for him. Can't wait to watch him in the ALCS. Now your coach, um, the manager. Bruce Bochy, obviously a three-time World Series champion with the New York, uh, or not the New York Giants, they stink, the um, <laughs> <laughs> the San Francisco Giants. And then, of course, he won one with the San Diego Padres back in the day, so he's got four total. Um, well, he, he, made, he made it two. He, he lost, I think that was to the Yankees that year. He, you're he right. T- he took you're them right. to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, four World Series appearances. It's exactly. So now he's with the Texas Rangers. They're four wins away from making it a fifth for him. Do you think he has been, you know, would this team be there like with just any old coach or do you, cause some there are people out there who think like baseball is the least managed important sport. I I'm not one of those people, but like, where do you stand on Bruce Bochy and how he's done handling this team this season? A lot of I characters mean- in that room. There, there are, and there's a lot of personality, especially Austin Hedges is just an all time vibes guy, the backup catcher, um, who apparently has been writing the num- the magic number of wins left to win a world series on his butt every single day. Um, and just injecting life in the team. But Bruce Bochy is like, this team wouldn't be anywhere close to where they are without him. I mean, this has been the streakiest team baseball team. I have maybe 
ever seen. I mean, in the month of August alone, they had an eight-game winning streak and an eight-game losing streak. They had all these injuries to their all-stars. They had their, you know, multi-time Cy Young winning ace pitch a month of the season and go down with Tommy John surgery. Like this team has sustained so many losses, so many, you know, gut punch losses. I mean, back in in September, this team was leading the div- division for most of the year and then there was this huge September series um, after a, a brutal end of the month of August. And, you know, the Rangers went home and faced off against the Astros. Thought, okay, this is it. This is the series where they get right. They can put the Astros down. They come into that series on the 4th of September off a Adoles Garcia walk-off home run against the twins. And you think, okay, they've got the momentum. They've got, you know, Scherzer, Evaldi is going to come back for this series. And that was his first time, first time pitching off the IL. And, you know, on Labor Day, they have an absolutely brutal game where the Rangers were winning for most of it. And the bullpen just absolutely blew it. It looks like a blowout six to 13. And then next day, okay, Eovaldi's on the hill. Everything's feeling good. Let's have Eovaldi go. He gets absolutely shelled. Then Dane Dunning comes in in long relief and he gets absolutely blasted. You think, okay, well... We have Scherzer against Verlander on Wednesday, and surely everything will go our way. And no, Scherzer gets shelled too. Justin Verlander piss, pitches masterfully. And then, you know, Adoles Garcia gets hurt in that one. And then they call up Evan Carter for that Friday game, and they lose one to the A's. And at that point, they are out of a playoff spot. And you think, oh, dear God, how is this team going to recover? There's no way they come back. And then they peel off six straight wins, two against the A's, and then go into Canada and sweep the Blue Jays. Then they get swept by the Guardians, and then they lose the first one of that series against the Red Sox. You think, oh, my God, here they go again. Win two against the Red Sox, sweep the Mariners take another one, take two out of three against the Angels, and then they head into that four-game series against Seattle, needing to win just two games. They win just one game, get shut out on the last day of the season, have to go, instead of playing at home to start the ALDS, they have to go to the wildcard series, fly from Seattle all the way to Tampa, like after an absolutely brutal loss where they were just clowned for celebrating the night before for getting their first playoff berth since 2016. And they go and face the 99 win race and they kick their teeth in and then they go and they face the Baltimore Orioles and they win a close game one and then they kick their teeth in for two more games. And here they are on a five game winning streak after just the most up and down and up and down season. And Bruce Bochy has been that steadying presence. They had Chris Woodward as their manager from 2019 until last year. I thought he was okay. There wasn't a whole lot he was given. But if you can bring in a guy like Bruce Bochy and the fact that Chris Young was able to convince Bochy to, you know, basically leave his retirement and come back and, you know, coach a team that was lost 94 games the year before and 102 or however many the year before that, you think, how did you do that? How did you convince him? But he has made such a big difference. Some managers don't make that big of an impact, but the steadying presence through all the incredible highs and lows is just he's got to be manager of the year like there can be no doubt in my mind yeah i think he's definitely going to be considered for that award absolutely now do you think that all that stress at the end of the season like you just went through everything like all the series what they needed this and that and they ended up falling short of the al west title but you know they have to go in the road in a playoff game or in the wild card round 
we're seeing division winners drop like flies, not even be competitive a week off. These hitters look like trash. The ones that played in the wildcard series all outside of the Astros kind of seem to be like the teams so far. And it was kind of the same way last year. The NLDS was Phillies Padres who, you know, both played in the wildcard series. It just seems to me like all these things have kind of helped the Texas Rangers just kind of be like, okay, we've been waiting for the playoffs since June. We, rolled through the regular season. We ended up falling short of the division, but we got to play these games. The Baltimore Orioles hadn't been swept since May of 2022, not even 2023, 2022. And here come the Texas Rangers. Do you think all these things kind of help the Rangers, all this adversity? Because personally, from the way I see it, that's how it looks. I mean, I think so. I don't think that necessarily like they wouldn't have done this if they had, you know, won literally one more game and or the Astros had lost one one of those three games in Arizona in the final weekend of the season. Um, but you know, having these highs and lows and being able to come back for that, I think that has definitely really helped this team. But I also think that this team is just, you know, their offense, the things that they do well is really, really predicated to playoff baseball. I mean, the, the thing that this offense does better than anyone, better than the Braves, better than the Phillies, better than I think anyone is, you know, work starting pitchers and their pitch counts. They are patient. They do not expand the zone. And it is, I, I think as much a matter of these guys having good plate discipline as it is of them just like inherently trusting literally everybody in this lineup of like, okay, Corey Seager walked a, you know, record nine times in the ALDS and you know, he's patient, but he's not that patient. Like he's usually pretty aggressive early in counts, but the Baltimore Orioles wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. And he thought, okay, well, I trust the guys behind me in the lineup, whether it's Robbie Grossman or now Mitch Garver. Thankfully, it's Mitch Garver hitting behind him. Um, and Mitch Garver, you know, rewards him. And he's like, oh, if, if Mitch doesn't get the job done, then Adolis will get the job done. And if it's not Adolis, then somebody else will get the job done. They're not going to expand the zone. They're not going to try and be the hero. They're going to say, hey, I'm looking for my pitch. If you're not going to hit it, if you're going to you know, pitch around me, I'm not going to I'm going to make you beat me with a pitch that I want to hit. And if you're not, I'll take the walk. And the next guy will too. And so will the guy after that. And we will drive you out of this game in two innings or three innings or whatever. And we'll get into the pen and wear you down. Cause I mean, even if somehow the Rangers bullpen had blown that game, I, I mean, the Baltimore Orioles had used all of their starting pitchers that could possibly go for game four. So it wouldn't have really mattered. And so I think this team is just really predicated. Like they were built, this offense is just built to win playoff baseball series they did that against the rays and they have two really darn good starting pitchers in jordan montgomery and nathan Evaldi. and the rest of the pitching can be good enough and even if it isn't this offense is just going to wear down every starting pitcher they see the good ones the great ones like i I'm not as worried about this Astros starting pitching staff as I have been in years past. I mean, Framber Valdez has been rocked by the Rangers multiple times this year. I mean, the, the Twins have a, a good offense, but they were really aggressive and chasing out of the zone. And this Rangers team, I mean, they're just not going to beat themselves. They're going to make you beat them. And that really works in their favor in playoff baseball, as we've seen so far. Hopefully it keeps working. You said you're not as scared as the of the Astros pitching staff as you have been in years past, which makes complete sense. Obviously, there are some people who aren't there that we used to be. But um, does playoff Altuve scare you a little bit? Because he scares me a little bit. He, he terrifies me. That lineup absolutely terrifies me. Jordan Alvarez scares me out of my mind. Do not throw him a single pitch. Like, that guy is incredible. I'd like, walk this, him with the bases loaded. 
I think I would too. And that's kind of how I feel about like playoff Corey Seager, because like the thing that impresses me about Seager as a hitter, like if you want to look at like literally any of his splits with like any situation against any type of pitcher, any type of pitch, he hit 300 against like every type of pitch, righties, lefties, hard throwers, soft throwers. Like there's just nothing that he can't hit. And it's insane. And Jordan Alvarez seems to be exactly the same way. You want to throw a righty against him. You want to throw a lefty against him. Um, like it, it doesn't matter. And like, that's what the all time great hitters do is they will make you pay no matter who, there's no good matchup for them. And I think the depth of the Rangers lineup is like maybe a little bit deeper, but I mean, it, it might end up being a little bit of a slugfest, but I think the Rangers are going to be able to take advantage more of these Astros pitchers than the Astros are of the Rangers pitchers. It could up, end up biting me in the butt. Um, but like, I just feel really good about how this lineup is clicking um, and how the starting pitching is clicking. You're going to have four games at least of, uh, of Montgomery and Eovaldi. And if you win three of those four games and you win one more, then you win the series. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we kind of touched on Astros pitching a little bit, um, so I'm going to kind of skip that. Now, is the rivalry between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros, is it like a big deal? Because I know like here in Chicago, Sox, Cubs, they're not even in the same league, and it's a huge rivalry. Like they play each other. They play four meaningless games a season. You guys are in the same division. Like, What is that like? Is it a real thing? Is there another team in the division you hate more? Or I know everybody in the division kind of hates the Astros because of the last <laughs> 10 or so years. They're kind of like, you know, the heel of the MLB in general right now. I think like, mm. you know, Montreal Expos fans hate the Houston Astros right now. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just curious what your uh, point of view is on that. Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot of hate. There is a lot of hate, and uh, yeah, th this game that got absolutely buck wild. The last game these two teams played in Houston, where uh, Fromber or not from yeah, Fromber got absolutely lit up. He hit Marcus Simeon with a pitch, and and Simeon just like absolutely destroyed him. And uh, we got to see a huge clutch grand slam from Adoles Garcia. But I mean, when the Astros first joined the division it was back in 2013, the Rangers were at the peak of their powers, and the Astros were at absolutely terrible as i've seen a major league baseball team maybe ever and then 2015 and 2016 happened and the astros were on the up and it was time for the rangers to you know have their you know run cemented as, as being over and the rangers won back-to-back -back division titles in 2015 and 16 as they were fending off those upstart uh, astros and uh then 2017 rolls around and the Rangers basically become mediocre and they're mediocre again for years. And the Astros are absolutely dominant. So this is the first year in several years that it's actually been like contentious because both teams have been good. The Rangers fans have hated Astros fans and Astros fans have somehow still been like obsessed with the Rangers, even though the Rangers haven't won a single world series. Like if I was the team that had won as much as the Astros, I wouldn't give a crap about my in-state rival that like, hasn't won anything. They've won absolutely nothing and they've been terrible for years. And so there is a lot of hatred, a lot of, you know, bickering and, and banter back and forth. Like this might be the most toxic Twitter has ever been. 
in terms of an ALCS because, you know, I mean, the last most contentious ALCS matchup that we had that's anywhere close to this was 2004 Red Sox versus Yankees. There was no Twitter back then. Uh, this year, th there is Twitter. There is discourse. There is anger. There is vitriol. Like, the players do not like each other. They really don't. Marcus Simeon, I, I guarantee you, he is going to be fired up for this series. And, I mean the Rangers are pissed about losing the vision on the last day. They are absolutely livid about it. And even though as a Rangers fan who knows a lot of Astros fans who are going to be relentless, if they end up knocking the Rangers out of the playoffs after this great season, I think the Rangers actually, I mean, I, they'll probably never admit it, but I think somewhere deep down, they kind of wanted it and they want to have that chance because the absolute high of beating the crap out of your rival in the playoffs to kind of cement yourselves. Cause this feels like a, a real turning of the tide moment because the Astros aren't what they used to be. They're still very good, very dangerous. The Rangers are on the upswing. This could be a, you know, passing of the baton or I guess stealing of the baton moment of the Rangers getting back on top in the West because they were the cream of the crop for almost the entirety of this year. And the way that it went down at the end of the year uh, definitely sticks in their craw and Rangers fans and Astros fans, do not like each other. Um, I wish nothing but sports sadness on my Astro fan friends. Hope the rest of their lives are great, but I hope their baseball team brings them nothing but anger and misery. So you got a largely all MLB audience here, but there are a lot of people that are watching live in Illinois. And I'm curious, you just kind of made me think of a question because I hope all my Cubs fan friends go through misery every single, like, <laughs> oh, in 162. I was kind of rooting for them on the last day of the season to make it to the playoffs so I could watch them, you know, root against them in the playoffs. I think, especially <laughs> since they were probably going to play the Phillies and watching Bryce Harper just go, you know, crazy on them and watching Schwarber play against them in the playoffs would have been hilarious. But when you go to the city of Chicago itself on the mm -hmm. north side, all Cubs all day on the South side. It is all White Sox all day. There's not a single Cubs fan around. Then you start to go into the suburbs and it's very much 70% Cubs fans, 30% White Sox fans. And then you start to get into like the South of Illinois, like the deep South. And you really, the White Sox are forgotten and it's Cardinals Cubs. How does that work in Texas? Like where obviously near Houston, obviously near Arlington and Dallas. I understand that, but like spread out the rest of the state. How does that work in terms of fanhood, at least from what you've seen from your perspective? I mean, Mostly it's it's Rangers fans all around. I mean, outside of the city of Houston. Really? I mean, I mean, it's it's vast majority. I mean, it kind of goes back and forth. There's not a whole lot of strong ties. I mean, really? I mean, some people in Austin are are Astros fans because they've been on top and you know, but like for the vast majority, I mean the Rangers broadcast rights they go in like four or five states i think actually because they'll oh. broadcast their games all the way to like new mexico almost all of oklahoma uh bits of arkansas and louisiana as well so like the rangers have a pretty wide berth dfw is dallas fort worth is a, a pretty big area and so i would say that most of the fans in texas are rangers fans because the rangers were there first i'm pretty darn sure uh it's been 52 53 years in since they moved to Arlington from Washington, I can't remember exactly when the Astros came around. I think it was like 1970 or something like that. So, I mean, the Rangers had a lot more success for, for most of their early years and uh, Astros ended up being the first team in the state to win a title. And they've been the power um, for years and years and years. And they obviously have all of the negative cheating scandal stuff that's, that's tied to them. So maybe some people hopped off the bandwagon there, but um, I think, 
it's going to be nice being, you know, the team that almost everybody is rooting for as, as a neutral because the Astros are the villains and it's like, Oh, Bruce Bochy and, you know, Marcus Simi is never won a ring. And Oh my gosh, I think people are really going to love Adolis Garcia and like this group of Rangers. They have a lot of personality and have, um, you know, attached themselves to Creed as their anthem um, and doing a, a Creed sing-along like in the stadium, their first home playoff game they've had since 2016, just absolutely going nuts and showing a cam of like, even the, the bullpen guys were singing along as they were doing the, uh, the Creed sing-along. It's like the vibes have been incredibly good from this team, which from all the lows that they've gone through, you would understand if the vibes weren't as great, but like, I think that is, is kind of encouraging me, but yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of Rangers fans spread out throughout the state of Texas. It's not quite, you know, the, Braves level of like everywhere around here is a Rangers fan because there's not, I mean, the next closest team besides Houston is I think the Kansas city Royals. So like there's a good chunk um, of, of real estate for the Rangers to take over. And at least from like 2010 to 2016, they really had a, a stranglehold on that territory. Does that annoy you that there's not another team? Cause like I always say the Texas teams in every sport have the worst schedules because most of them, unless we're talking college football, but like for the most part, they have the worst schedules because who in the division besides the Astros is close. You have to fly on a plane everywhere, every game you play. And, you know, I'm a big hockey fan, as you could tell. They in the teams in the Eastern Conference, they all are within a bus ride of each other for the most part. Then you got the Dallas Stars who are sneaky far away from everyone. People don't even think about this stuff. Like, does that kind of annoy you as a Rangers fan? Like almost every game is a decent travel. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's most, it's most Dallas sports. Cause I mean, the Rangers and like Dallas teams are right in the central, but they, they're in the central division of any of the sports. I mean, the Mavericks are the only one that have like anything close. Cause there's three Texas teams. There's a team in Oklahoma. There's a team in, you know, Memphis and in, um, in new Orleans. So like there's plenty of close teams there, but you think of, you know, the NFL, the Cowboys are in the NFC East. The Rangers are in the AL West. I mean, the next closest team until the Astros came here, the closest team, to the Rangers in their division was, I believe the angels who are in Los Angeles. Yeah. That's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, But the same with hockey. I mean, the next closest team to the stars is um, the Nashville predators. I think so. I think so. I think that's the geographically closest one. Maybe. Yeah. They played each other at the cotton bowl too. They did. It kind of makes sense. I was at that game. It was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, Had a few, predators fans that were my friends who went with us and um we had a lot better time than they did <laughs> That's all, oh yeah of course you did that, that was outstanding i loved that game so i was going to ask you to kind of end things off are there other sports that you're into are you into hockey are you a dallas cowboys fan like what, what's going on yep. in your other sports worlds yep dallas dallas everything and um you know as the, as the host of a rangers podcast i mean i i know that dallas bleeds with the cowboys and i'm hoping that this long run can get more people behind the Rangers because like it's, it's a great sports town, but mostly for just the Cowboys and with the Cowboys just starting off really good. It's like, okay, well there goes any hope of getting the casual fan on board with Rangers. But uh, the only good side of the, uh, the Cowboys getting their butts kicked on Sunday night football is more people be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to put the Cowboys on pause for a little bit and get on board with these Rangers. But yeah, it's a great time for Dallas sports. I mean, I'm a, I'm an all, I'm a, very deep Dallas ties guy, like sixth generation Dallas. So um, yeah, everything Dallas, like FC Dallas stars Mavericks. I mean, it's, 
things are looking good. It's the first uh, Stars game of the season tonight. Very excited about their season. Very excited about Luca and the Mavs. Probably less bullish on them than I am about the Stars, who, um, in, at least in some publications, are like you know Stanley Cup favorites. Which I'm like, okay, I picked them. I picked them to lose in the final. No, I'm not trying to, you know, damper anyone's day. <laughs> I picked them to lose to the, in the final. So that, that's a compliment. They're going to be a really good team. They are, and uh, they're young and fun and exciting, and their core is going to be around for years. Same with the Rangers. Same with the Mavericks, and. Maybe the same with the Cowboys. I don't know. I have the least hope of the Cowboys because I've been burned too many times by the Dallas Cowboys. I've also been burned a million times by the Rangers. But hey, this team just feels different. It feels like a different kind of run, different kind of energy around them. And my God, if they, if they take down their big brother in the Astros, I, I don't care who they're facing in the World Series. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to win it. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think the ALCS is I, I hate when people say this because watch the National League will come out and sweep in the World Series if I say this. But like it does feel like the winner of this will be the team to beat in the World Series, whoever they shall be facing. Now, I do think like an, a Cinderella Diamondbacks versus um, Rangers World Series would just be absolutely phenomenal. If you have Braves Rangers and it's like an all Southeast um, type of you know, World Series. I think that would be really fun. But um, a break, yeah, like- a, a Rangers Diamondback series would be fun just to get a little bit of uh, revenge on the Diamondbacks for being swept on the final weekend of the season, and that being the reason why the Rangers had to go to Tampa as opposed to hosting a bunch of playoff games. But hey, the Rangers aren't mad about how it turned out. They're they're happy to be here, and um, it would have been nice if it was the other way around and the Astros ended up getting, you know, knocked out in the wild card round or knocked out against the Orioles. And so it could be Rangers Orioles in the ALCS, but Hey, this is as compelling an ALCS as I think we may have ever seen. The stakes are incredibly high. It's going to be a lot of really good baseball. Um, and I'm personally terrified of it, but I'm going to love every minute of it. Yeah. I don't blame you one bit. Like from an outsider's point of view, I truly, I I said on this show two weeks ago, all Texas ALCS, all Texas ALCS, please, please. I know those two fan bases probably wouldn't love it as much, but like, I don't care if this is about what I want on this show. And I want an all Texas. Cause I know there would be people if the white Sox were playing the, I don't know, the angels and the ALCS. I know that sounds like MLB the show. Cause that's basically the only way that can happen. Um, and uh, the Cubs were playing the Mets in the NLCS. There would be people in Texas and Florida and, you know, Nevada. They'd all be rooting for the All-Chicago World Series, I think. I think that's just like a compelling story. So the fact yeah. that we have it in the ALCS here is just brilliant, and I can't wait for it. Now, Bryce, promote yourself. Tell people where they can find you, what you're doing, how you're going to go crazy. Where can I watch you, you know, rip up your shirt or <laughs> take take a shot of alcohol because you're so excited when they win? Like, you know, both sides of the spectrum here coming up. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can find uh, the show at Locked on Rangers, wherever you find your podcast. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, literally every other podcast platform going five days a week, sometimes more 30 minute episodes talking about the Texas Rangers and getting into the the nitty gritty of of everything that's going to be in this ALCS, the the joys the defeats, the the everything will be very much going through it in a big way, um, whatever the result of this ALCS. Hopefully, talking about the third trip in franchise history to the World Series for the Texas Rangers and maybe, just maybe, the first ever win 
for this this franchise of 53 years in this state. Maybe it's time, man. I'm feeling like it's time. We're all feeling like it's time. Let's go Rangers. Bryce, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show today. I hope to have you back on as a World Series champion podcaster. If you're down for such a thing in a couple weeks, that would be truly amazing. Um, <laughs> I'll take I would all be... the victory laps that I can get, man. If, if the Rangers win it all, no matter what it is, I'll, I'll be there just tooting my own horn about a hopefully 2023 Texas Rangers world series champs all right oh folks boy. you heard it here first bryce is coming on if they win the world series i don't even have to send him a twitter message he just knows that that thursday at 1 or 2 p.m central time he is going to be coming on so bryce we can't thank you enough good luck with the shows good luck with the rangers and congrats on all the success so far both with your baseball team and with your podcast appreciate it thanks for having me on Absolutely. We'll talk to you real soon as a World Series champion. Hopefully we'll see everybody. Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers. We were so thrilled to have him on the show today. And now for about five minutes or so, we're going to end the show with a little segment talking National League Baseball. Of course, you heard about the Texas Rangers who defeated the Baltimore Orioles to make it to the World Series. And now they are going to play the Houston Astros in an all Texas ALCS. That is certainly going to be super fun to watch now. Who will the winner of this series play in the World Series? We have a little bit to discuss with that. Of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They swept the Los Angeles Dodgers three games to none in the NLDS series that was played. I'll tell you what, folks. These Dodgers, they won the 60-game World Series at the home of the Texas Rangers. So maybe the World Series will be hosted there again this year, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, the Dodgers, man. That Mar uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman duo all season long, and they just poo-poo in the playoffs. Like, where were they? What's going on here? Lance Lynn, Clayton Kershaw, these starters were brutal. And you know what? Credit to the D-backs. They haven't lost a game in the playoffs yet. 5-0, and the Arizona Diamondbacks, who made it to the playoffs by the skin of their teeth, and they found a way to get in the playoffs. And, you know, it was just an odd 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 situation to see them get into the postseason and you know all that sweeping that they did is just incredible um I, i'm happy for the d-backs because they kind of give me hope as a fan of a different loser team i'm not calling the d-backs a loser team but over the last you know 15 or so years i don't think you know championship mentality comes to people's mind when talking about the arizona diamondbacks but they sweep the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're dead. See you next year. Maybe Otani will be there. Maybe he won't. The Dodgers were uncharacteristically cheap last winter. I have a feeling something big is kind of stirring in the pot over there in good old L.A. Um, and then on the other side of things, the only series left in Major League Baseball's division series right now is the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves, who had the best record in all of baseball this season, trail the Philadelphia Phillies in this NLDS by a series lead of 2-1. to one. Bryce Harper. Oh, my God. He's ch chirping other people, giving people stare downs because he doesn't like what they say in their locker room before and after games. What a legend this guy is. You know, I agree with our friend Jeff Passan. Bryce Harper, when he came into the league, he's one of the youngest players to ever step foot onto a Major League Baseball diamond. He has become, and all the pressure was on him. You follow hockey, everything you hear about Connor Bedard or everything you heard about Connor McDavid back in the day, you heard that about Bryce Harper as well. Generational talent, super duper star, going to play right away, which is so rare in baseball. He has become everything the 
league has needed from him and more. He starts with the Washington Nationals. They have a couple deep playoff runs, but come up just short. He leaves in free agency, you know, to the north of $300 million with the Philadelphia Phillies. The following year, the Washington Nationals go and win the World Series. That probably didn't sit too well with Bryce Harper. He's here with the Phillies now. The Nationals, they stink. The Phillies... They're looking to make it to the NLDS or the NLCS for the third straight season. They add Trey Turner in the offseason. They have Nick Castellanos. They have Kyle Schwarber. Their pitching is unreal. And, man, what a team. We'll see if they're able to finish the win over the Atlanta Braves. That will be on Thursday night. If you're listening to the audio version on Friday, you will have already known the outcome of that game. Either the Atlanta Braves will have forced a game five or the Philadelphia Phillies will be on the NLCS for the second straight season. It's amazing theater, and I can't wait to see what comes of it. Next week on the program, we will be well into the ALCS and the NLCS. We will know what's going on. Um, I, I can't wait to see what the World Series matchup is. I'm not really positive. Definitely not going to be the World Series preview on our next show, but the following show will probably be in the middle of the World Series. So we're in the nitty gritty now. If you're not watching playoff baseball, I don't know what's wrong with you. This is great stuff. I can't wait to see what happens with the Phillies and the Braves tonight. Um, yes, my New Jersey Devils start tonight, so it's going to be on the big TV. But you better believe on one of the smaller screens, this game is going to be happening, and I cannot wait to indulge. This has been an outstanding show. I can't thank Bryce Patterick of Locked On Rangers enough for coming on the show. And thank you, Bryce Patterick, for rooting for the Texas Rangers and not the New York Rangers. That's not cool to root for the New York Rangers. You don't want to be doing that um i've had a great time on this show again thank you to him thank you to my good friend joe mandel for producing the show to aldo gandia the great barroom director all my family and friends katie i love you thank you very much for listening to the program all show long and we will see you next wednesday for bar down talking hockey the nhl season will be up full weekend every team will have at least played a game after tomorrow night and i cannot wait to see what's going on in the league a weekend i encourage everybody to make sure you're there 2 p.m next wednesday and over the weekend all the football coverage uh here on the barroom network with all the great shows joe mandel who i just mentioned will be doing fantasy football goon you'll hear from mike north you'll hear from greg gabriel you'll hear from aldo gandia You'll hear from Dan Aguirre on Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls next Tuesday. You need to make sure you're listening to all these shows. Sports rule. Sports make people feel good. I hope to be just a small part of it with each of you headed into the weekend. Go Huskies on Saturday. Go Bears against the Vikings on Sunday. Go Devils every day in between. As always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.